0: Hello and welcome back to the My Journey podcast, the place where we hear about how successful individuals made it to the top of their chosen profession. Today we'll be hearing from award-winning entrepreneur Peter Watson. Peter is the owner of Distract, a digital marketing agency based in Lincoln. He also has a number of other ventures that he's been involved with over his entrepreneurial journey, and hence why he has some great advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. We discuss a range of topics, including his work ethic, an inspirational meeting with the then CEO of Halfords, and his views on university for entrepreneurs. Before we get into the interview, there, I just wanted to let you know that to keep up to date with the podcast and everything I get up to do today, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Social. Also, if you're looking to take your social media to the next level, whether that be a business or a personal brand, drop me a message to find out more about the social media strategy, management, and training services I provide. Right, let's get into today's interview. Here's episode 11 of the My Journey podcast with Peter Watson. So welcome to the My Journey podcast, Pete. How are you today? Really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. That's good. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to go right back to the beginning and we're going to work through your career to where you are today uh, and hopefully learn some things from you. So education, what was school life like for you? Um, It was really good, and I'll tell you the reason it was really good. My
1: dad has been a, was a teacher and a head teacher, so he always kind of instilled sort of like, you go to school, you learn, you respect the teachers, you do a good job. Um, So I was always kind of respected teachers, always kind of loved the educational system. The bit that I didn't particularly like, is I wasn't amazingly talented at school, like I was uh, an average student, so I'd get like the C's and low C's, and if I was doing a B, I'd be doing amazingly well, you know, so I wasn't like a, a massively intelligent lad, but like, you know, in terms of... The school system and respect, yeah, absolutely. My dad kind of made sure that if I was doing well, I was fine. But if I wasn't, he'd have a word with me. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah,
0: yeah. And was business a passion at that age? Or were you into sport?
1: Um, so I loved football uh, at that time. Loved running. I still run a lot today. And um, the one thing I really wanted to do, especially when I got into secondary school and college, was be a pilot for the RAF, is what my actual aim was. Uh, and I remember knowing I had to get two A-levels to get into the kind of the Air Force pilot training program. All right. okay. So all I did was aim for these two, two A-levels, um, which later became an issue when um, I started out in the world of business and went to university because I realized I needed three A-levels to get to university. All right. So I had to go back and um, study for another A-level in my own time while working at Halfords and doing projects on the side. So... Yeah, so my, my kind of aim and ambition is always dotted around, but the moment that I fell on marketing and fell on business, it was kind of like, there's no going back, this is what I love to do. Yeah, uh, I feel the same, actually. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And obviously, you say you're interested in sport and stuff, I'm assuming you've learned quite a bit from that over the time, is it like, or were you quite individualistic or more team sports?
1: Um, so football was the thing I played mainly when I was younger. I played a lot um, at my, my small uh, team called Royston Eagles, and then... When I went to men's football, I think it was at 16, um, I remember being the I'm a skinny lad, right? I'm a small skinny lad. So I was playing against these like butch 32-year-old men um, who would just go through you, you know, if you had any chance. Um, So I always knew I had to kind of stand up for myself and kind of like put myself further forward. And that's one of the things I learned when I was playing men's football at such a young age is that, look, these guys are bigger bigger than you. Maybe they have got more experience than you. But if you try really hard and you don't hold back, that's the best chance you've got. And I think there's some elements of business you can take from that. You know, maybe you are just starting out. Maybe you are up against the, the big brand of all the resources and all the money. But if you try really hard, you work and you focus,
0: you can always take it head on as well. And you said there about you had to go back and re-study for another A-level. Was that um, at like an adult education kind of thing or just back at school? So I, I can't remember the years and ages very well. But like
1: I did um, at AS level, I did maths, history, Electronics and business. Uh, I failed electronics. I failed maths. Um, so when I went to my A levels, I I continued with business and um, history, and then I had to take up another AS level. So I took up economics. Ah, right. Okay. So I came out of A levels with two A's, two A levels, and a AS level, and then I had to do an AS level to an A level to get to university. Right, so then okay. I had to study the uh, the economics in my own time. Right. Okay. Which is a bore lake because
0: I genuinely can't sit still or focus. So it was really hard. You said you were working at Halford at the time. Was that just literally to earn some money and.
1: Yeah. So it? I. So here's the thing. This is, you know, going back to kind of my upbringing. I um My dad worked really hard and my mom died when I was seven. So my dad was the only kind of guy that was going to make any money. So he had my, me and my brother to bring up. And, you know, we didn't have loads of cash slotting about. So when I lived in Cambridge, so my friends, are you know, their parents are in a decent chunk. You know, they're getting cars paid and bought for them. Uh, I remember one of my friends bought a car, was scammed by the seller because it was a category D car. And his mum went and bought him another car. So we had two cars. So my friends were always quite well off. And um, again, it was always taught to me to go out and work and earn for your money. So while they were chilling and driving their nice cars around that cost six grand each, I was working at Halfords. And what I used to do was I would go to college and then in a two hour break, I'd work at Halfords and then I'd come back to college. And then when I finished at four, I'd work at Halfords till eight and then I'd come back. And my days were always very long. Um, and I just worked, 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 worked. Bought this car for, I think it was two grand, insured it. And then I remember a year later, I parked it out the side of the front of my house and someone drove into my car uh, when I wasn't there and dented the whole door and drove off and left a note. And I remember seeing, I think at least I left the note and I rang up the number, it's a fake number. and I had to <laughs> repair the door. So like, it's always been a bit of a battle to be honest with you. It's not been kind of plain sailing from the start, um, but I truly believe that without those sort of small you know small issues along the way it builds into a bigger person i'm i'm all for the the adage of you know any kick any kind of knockback is always just teeing you up for a big comeback so you know i've always been the idea of you know don't get too disheartened by when bad things happen to you because it's just preparing you for the next stage um and that's been through the whole my whole kind of career but i the thing that just to go on this topic one of the things that i love is that when, you, when you're like an average person, like it's an average at yeah, school, average in sport, average, when you're an average person, if you want to be great, you have to learn at a very young age to work hard. So when you're, when you're average at school and all your friends are getting B's and A's and you're getting C's, to get a B, you've got to work hard. If you're average at football and all your mates are amazing and they're playing for the local teams, to keep up with them, you've got to work really hard. But that's amazing when it comes to business, because if you're average at business and you work hard to keep up with everyone else, you win. Yeah right and and i think you know being average in everything else in my life actually has teamed up to be what i believe is good at business and that's because i've been able to bring what i've learned from those other establishments into this world where not many people are great
0: yeah 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 so one thing that interested me I, I looked on the linkedin and at the bottom it said marketing assistant of scout me out football trials what was that all about that sounds
1: quite fun so my dad um was a teacher for a long time and basically got stressed with it and he had right. to go off with stress for a bit and in that period of time, he was like, I need to get away from teaching. It's just too much right now. Um, they brought in a lot of curriculum changes, and it was ridiculous. And my dad used to go into failing schools and turn them around, and sometimes he would just be, you know, head against a brick wall. So he decided to set up a football agency uh, and be a football agent. The problem we had was that there was no players would go to a new guy who started a football agency. You know, like wait, no one people want to go with Wayne Rooney's agent, not the guy that's just started out. Yeah, yeah. So I created this system that I believe was going to find the best talent, which was called Scout Me Out. And I said to him, if we can find the new talent, we don't have to look for the talent. So we created this business called Scout Me Out, which basically was a a platform where you could apply to be to be qualified by an agency and scouts and then put into a team. So you'd come along, you'd train, you'd qualify, we like we like this guy, do you want to sign up with us? They'd sign a contract, and then we've got great talent. Yeah. So, the okay. way of going around the issue of we can't find talent by going, you know, one knows who you are, we'll help you.
0: All right. Okay. So, that's, that's quite interesting. And then that. Obviously, I'm assuming sparks some entrepreneurial spirit within you seeing your dad set up his own kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, so, and, and
1: truthfully, it didn't go particularly well. You know, like, you know, the football world, I had a guy come in to see me the other day, and football was an awful world. You know, it's full of ego, bravado, and people like keeping their circles nice and close. So it was an, it was an awful business to try and get involved with. Uh, so it didn't go particularly well. But I learned so much from doing that, like so, so much. And it, and it went on to my other ventures, like Viral Sport, which I never talk about, which is basically a YouTube channel which would show the latest talent within football. It went on to things like Adsa, which is a platform I built when I was about 16 or 17, which was an ad space uh, business online, which went terribly wrong. You know, and, and it sparked me onto this, this path of just starting things, but not being massively romantic when they don't work, like not worrying if in four months' time it's a complete bomb because I've already lost before I can lose again. And very early on, I, I, I got this notion in my head that losing doesn't really matter anymore. Like, losing doesn't matter. When you look at the statistics of what it takes to be a business person and an entrepreneur, the stats are pretty much black and white, that most businesses fail. But if you try enough, it's something like 9 out of 10 businesses fail. So, in my head, I'm thinking, well, I'll just start 10 businesses then. All
0: right, yeah. yeah. Right.
1: And and I think, you know, as long as you don't take the losses personally and you move to the next one with the same enthusiasm and the same grit, the same determination, I'll lose nine times if I can win the 10th.
0: Yeah, so eventually it did pay off because you started the Just Audio shop. Yeah, and that went really well. Which is like a typical um, e-commerce business in the fact that it was built on ad revenue and things like that as well. Um, But how did that fit in alongside everything else that you were doing? So um, at this
1: point, I uh, this is actually a really cool story because I actually started Just Audio Tips. No, it was just simple tips as a YouTube channel to try and make money through ad revenue. And the idea was... Everyone else out there is reviewing toys. Well, I'll just show you how to install your car radio. Uh, and I was working at um, a retail brand at the time. And I realized that the only guides that people had was these guides on paper. It was like a Honda Civics come in. You know, this is how you remove the radio. And it was all on paper. I thought it was ridiculous. So uh, me and my mate went and just filmed removal of radios, videos. And we put them online for free. And I realized that the ad revenue wasn't that great. So I was like, what's, that, what's going on here? And then... The largest cable manufacturer for parts, once you install the radios, got in touch and was like, oh, I got in touch with them, I can't remember how it started. And was like, we want you to do it for us. Um, but we won't pay you much, um, but we'll give you access to products and stuff. And I was like, that's a bullshit deal. And I instantly realized that if this big brand is coming for me for endorsement, why not just make the brand myself? So I created Just Audio Shop, which basically was the sales arm of Just Simple Tips. The idea was 15,000 15, people every day are watching my videos. If I tell them what parts to buy and you can only buy it from my shop, boom, done. Um, I'm buying these products at let's say a quid, two quid each. I'm selling at 15 quid, 20 quid each. And when you get 15,000 a day, it doesn't take you know an expert to figure out that if you get a reasonable percentage conversion rate, you're onto an absolute winner. And that one business funded all my other businesses. Like the I'm doing this before it's university, uh, probably like 17, 18 maybe. This is now paying me through university. like this business in terms of giving me opportunity was the one, you know, it wasn't making a huge amount, probably making me a, a, just about a living if I wanted it to, but when you're making a couple of grand a month, you don't have to, you can take punts, you can put a, a grand into that, you can put five liquid into this, you can try this next thing, you can do this, you can sample, it took away any risk factor. So when I'm at university in my first year, I'm quickly known as the business person on campus, right? Because I'm just getting involved with everything. Like anyone who's starting a business, I'm meeting them. I'm the president of the business society. Like I'm meeting everyone who's involved with business because I know that if I can make myself the business person on campus, any business opportunity will come to me. Yeah. So, you know, Brad, my business partner now, met me at university. He was my freelancer I used for all my products at university. And he did a brand doing, Brad would do it. I need a website doing, Brad would do it. Everything that, that was creative or development related, Brad would do it for me. So essentially, that just rolled into what we're doing now. And we went through loads of little projects together. I had dating apps. I had um, discount apps. I had them all going out. But the reality is
0: that everything rolled in to what is Distract today. And obviously, you said there you had a successful business that was kind of paying your way through university. Um, and I believe you're quite passionate about this. But why did you choose to go to university? There's quite a lot of people who would have gone, oh, I've got something here. I'm not carrying on with education. I'm going to go.
1: Well, when I was at... Um, I always had this business drive from about 16, 17, 18. But the truth is I always, I never really thought I could do it. Like it sounds it just sounds weird from the rare man I am today, but I never really thought it was gonna be possible. I always thought that it would always be just about getting by, just about making it. So I always had this idea that I wanted to go into marketing because I love marketing. Uh, and I, I did some, some um, work at Halford's head office. That's a different story in itself so I got a meeting, but I got a meeting with the CEO of Halford, Matt Davis. And he looked at me dead in the eyes and said, I think, you know, you've got a chance here, basically, in nice words. Um, just go do it. And it wasn't like the inspiration, but it was kind of weird to hear someone who's literally, he was a he was the CEO of Tesco not so long ago, like this crazy guy saying, look, just go, go do it. And I just kept trying other things, kept trying other things. And then it kind of just, I would say I'm a fluke of an entrepreneur. I'm a guy that's just tried really hard a lot of times and one of them's worked. Um, I don't know if I answered your question, but like, I kind of went to university because I thought it was the next step. My friends had gone two years before. I was just hustling for those two years. Um, I just tried a lot and one worked. But you're right when I say I'm passionate about this because I really am. 90% of entrepreneurs will say university is a waste of time. I say university for entrepreneurs is a good thing because it gives you three years to fail and try to potentially win. Um, That being said, I was at university last week and I said that the curriculum is crap, what you learn in marketing is awful, these guys have no idea what they're teaching to a degree, but the three years you have to lose is a huge deal. Yeah, because while
0: you're there, if you fail, it's not as big yeah, an you issue. Can, if you
1: can lose for two, and, two years and 10 months, but if you win for the final two months, you win.
0: Yeah.
1: And that has been the headline of my whole entrepreneur journey so far, is that you can lose every single day, but on the seventh day, if you win, you've won. We, we live in such a small minute game where small things can make a huge difference you know right now i've got um i'm launching an artificial grass business called wayburn right will it work don't know i'm hoping so but i'll tell you now i've been so vocal with us creating this brand if it doesn't work i'll open look into a camera i'll stand on a stage speak to people and say didn't work because i have no disrespect for myself when i lose i have respect for myself for trying and that's the big difference, I suppose. That's a
0: really good message to get across to young people who are wanting to get into enterprise, because I think there is a lot of pressure on people that you have to succeed. And if you don't, there's um, a lot of people looking at you, waiting to take that dig and say, why didn't it work, you know, that kind of thing.
1: All, all we ever see on TV, on stages, on YouTube, is the guy that's doing a great job. All we ever see is the success. No one's ever standing there and going, I've had a shit year, it's been awful. I've lost this much money. I need to close the thing down. It's been awful. No one does that. That's the reason I hired Sam. Sam is a full-time cameraman just for my content. And he, and he puts out two vlogs every single week showing the journey. We have a we have a, a vlog called uh, Inside the Journey. It's literally a vlog that just shows the journey. It shows the projects. It shows the staff leaving. It shows staff joining us. It shows the client wins, client losses, the whole lot. I believe so much in this that the journey is a long path. Like it's a, you know, your podcast is all about this. It's a long, long path, ups and downs. And if we only show the ups, we won't inspire the people that get the losses. And it's very important that people who have the opportunity can show there are losses as well on this journey. Yeah, definitely.
0: So then we come on to the main part of probably what you're, why we're here today, which is distract. How did that come about? You mentioned it came through a business partner that you've met at university, but how did that conversation start? So I have another business
1: called RemSop. Um, It's basically my... uh, I've said I'm going to buy a house with cash through that business through doing side projects throughout my whole life. Um, A lot of the profit I took out and put into Bitcoin, which is where I'm going to think I'm going to have to get the house from in cash. But the point is, I was doing this thing called RemSop, loads of little side businesses all going through this company. And I met uh, Tom, who works for us now. He's also at university with us. And he was doing some work at another marketing agency. And I was like, how do fees work for marketing agencies? And he's like, oh, it's like a grand a month and we'll do the email and their SEO. And I was like, for a grand a month? He's like, yeah. I was like, nah. Uh, two days later, three days later, I built a website called Remsop Media and I launched the social media advertising side of, of, the, of the business, Remsop Media. Um, then I thought that name is a bit too corporate. I'm not a corporate guy. so. Uh, Brad, who's now my business partner, was doing some freelance work for an agency called Cheeky Imp. And it was just him and, him and another mate just doing some design work. And I said to him, I like the name Cheeky Imp. Can I buy it? And he was like, I don't think the guy's going to sell it, Pete. I was like, fine. I was like, how about Chatty Imp? Because, yeah, that sounds good. So I bought the logo off this guy for 50 quid, uh, called it Chatty Imp. And I was paying Brad, you know, fucking £10 an hour or whatever, It was £5 an hour, nothing really, to do work. And I'd get a client in. And he'd be like, I need a logo. I need a website. I'd be like, Brad, can you do it for me? And I literally would get the work in, pay Brad to do it, make the margin, and it went and went and went. And then I got a few big clients paying us monthly, um, and Brad knew the power he was in. right? this was this was the workhorse, right? And he came in and he sat down. We had this little tiny little meeting room and he's this tiny little office, which is about a third the size of this room we're in. And he just said, Pete, I want equity. And I went. Oh. So we sat and negotiated equity for about half an hour ended on a really weird number like a really weird number um, and that was it we we're in business and from that point uh, I would do the work he would fulfill it and then as it scales and scales and scales you know we're at the point where we are now that's funny because I think it, the ability of him to tell that he had he all knew the it. cards but yeah. he always had the cards from the first year of uni when I met him I met him literally on you know when you go to university I don't know if anyone knows but you're on university and you like meet people in groups he was one of the first people I met in that Facebook group it was on the same course so like I knew him before I even walked into the university and then we spent the whole three years, you know, just doing work together. And then here we are today, we're still doing our thing.
0: And just probably going off on a bit of a tangent here, but is it just down to personalities or is there something else where actually you are seem to be more of a face of the business and he's in the background almost?
1: Me and Brad are complete opposites. Like uh, he's an extrovert. Uh, so he, he's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. He will never, ever be on a podcast. He's not come on my podcast once. He's been on the vlog <laughs> twice. He does not like being in the public domain. Now, it's not to say that he will ever not be in the public domain, but he knows the roles, right? We both know the roles. I can talk to people, I can sell, I can build morale, I can uplift the team. Um, Brad is very much at keeping that together. He's very much at making sure the finances are right, making sure the bills are paid on time, making sure all these small things, making sure the office can be renovated. These are the small things that me as an MD, as an entrepreneur, I don't have the headspace to worry about what to do when the internet's bad. Right. Okay. I just don't have the headspace for that right, right now. Like I don't I quite even think about how to solve that, whereas he'll have he'll know how to do it, he'll know how to solve it, and it will be turned around in two weeks. Like, that's it. Whereas I don't have the headspace for that. So we're very, very different people. Um when we first started we argued a lot because we'd each try step on each other's toes. You know, we literally our first hire Ben who's still with us today, you know, he would sit there and we'd argue over a small design tweak. And he would Ben would just be sat there like, What am I supposed to do with this? Whereas now we understand each other's expertise and where we don't step on each other's toes. And now we rarely I mean, I'm talking, I don't, think, I don't remember an argument. You know, we'd rarely step each other's toes now because Brad knows my game. He knows his, I know his game. Why would we even debate it? Yeah, We've learned each other's scopes and benefits over the last three, four years.
0: So you've almost got to the point where you know what he's going to say anyway. So it's not like can go going to. Him.
1: And the thing is, Brad knows how to wind me up. Like <laughs> We had, we had uh, our accountancy bill came through the other day and it was definitely over the top. And they sent an invoice for it. And it goes, guess what our accountancy bill is? I said, no, and like, higher, higher. And I was raging at the end of it. And he knew, he knew how to wind me up. And that's, yeah, that's we know each other now. Into that now.
0: That's really good. Because a lot of people think that to be an entrepreneur or to get into business, you have to do it on your own. But actually to find a partner that works with you is probably gold dust, really.
1: I um, met with a guy called Simon Penson from Zazzle Media, who's an amazing entrepreneur. He sold for about, I think, 20 million or something. And um, he said when he sold his business, he went and had a glass of wine with his wife. And he didn't say he was sad, but I felt it. I felt, I I kind of felt, I mean, great. I've got a talk with my wife. But like, I just feel so much better knowing that wherever we end up on this journey, we've both been there from the start. Like we know what it was like when we were doing our dissertations at 9 p.m. at night because we've been working on our agency for the day. We know what it was like when we were pretty strapped for cash and one of the members of staff had a tax rebate and we had to front it. We know how it felt through the whole journey. So wherever we end up in the next 10 years, 15 years, 20, 30, 40 years, we've been on the road together. We can genuinely look each other's eyes and go, I absolutely understand what we've been through. Whereas if you don't have a business partner, how do you explain it to your girlfriend? How do I genuinely sit down with my girlfriend and go, sorry, I've had a really shit day, this happened, this happened. And how can I expect her to understand how that feels? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. I'm a massive, massive advocate for a business partner to the nth degree, because entrepreneurship is such a lonely place I do not want to sit there late at night and be worrying to myself and have no one I can call.
0: Yeah. That's really cool. So obviously you mentioned there about the tax rebate and you you tell a story about that on your own podcast mm-hmm. and um, about how the first client came from one of your other ventures, obviously they're the, the startup kind of things. But after that, when you've kind of got the foundations of, of something, how do you then grow it into what, you know, we're here today and your new offices that you've been in for five days are absolutely huge, the beautiful place, you know, numerous members of staff that change between getting by and getting the clients and to having something that is
1: sustainable um the big one for me the biggest lesson i learned was that contracts are very important you can't predict anything without a contract uh, and also retained work is extremely important Um i would be very very scared if i was looking for spec work all the time if i was looking for a design project in a web department we have those departments but they're very much I don't expect anything to come from them because it's not the be all and end of the business. The be all and end of the business is the retained what we have. And when you can predict workflow and predict growth and predict all these things, it's very easy to build a team around that because you know where you're going. Um, that's the one thing. The second thing to do is I'm very aware that tomorrow everything could crash. We could hit a recession. The first thing that goes is marketing and you know I'm going to have to fight in the trenches. But... Because of that, we've uh, created a business called Featured. Uh, Featured is our uh, incubator and investment arm. Each year we put some money aside from profits into that business, and we then utilize it just to invest in side projects. So we've launched The Grass, we've launched another online e-commerce brand. And the idea is that if there's ever a rainy day for Distract, it's fine, because our other projects are gonna be doing well. Um, So I'm very aware that we need to uh, spread our risk, make sure we're looking at other opportunities and not put our eggs in one basket.
0: And you said about that incubator. You're based in Lincoln. Is that something you, you're like part of your core values in the fact that it's Lincoln-based businesses, or is it a national? We'll do anything thing? with anyone okay. uh, as long as
1: I think it's an opportunity. Um, there, the way that I see us as a business duo is that we're all good for helping people out and you know supporting people. But at the end of the day, when it comes to entrepreneurship and business, you have to, the the numbers have to stack. Yeah, the numbers have to work because when you start doing things that are just for the good of the people and the will, then then you start losing out. I about that life. We need to make sure that every number stacks up, we invest in the right areas and we give it a good go. You know Why are we starting two other side projects? Well, you know, like I said before, we start 10 and one will work. Yeah. So we're gonna keep pushing forward and keep trying to grow. But the main area, the main aspect is probably a year ago someone tried to buy Distract and uh, they tried to invest to a percentage of Distract to buy, uh, to buy a share. And I just went to my, my solicitor and I said, we've got this deal on the table, what do you think? And he goes, Pete, distract the growth machine. You have the opportunity to utilize those resources any way you want. He said, why would you sell a growth machine? Start more projects. And when he said that, I was like, you're so right. The most expensive thing people have is their marketing. Yeah. If I can just create a product and point my marketing team towards it, then maybe we have some upside. So just we're just constantly pushing boundaries, constantly trying to move forward.
0: That's good. And I... You've won awards yourself and the business so like award-winning, and as you've kind of touched upon there, that brings its own attention with it. Was that good for you, or was that something that maybe has put too much of a spotlight on the business? Or
1: awards are really good when you're starting. I think it definitely puts you in the realm of these guys know what they're doing, and uh, for the first two years, definitely it, it puts in a really good place. I was, you can almost guarantee that you're going to be, you know, kind of. Um, Growing the business for awards, especially when you do it locally, because then everyone knows you're the local guy that's going to smash it. The issue that I have with the awards now is that we won Best Edge Martin campaign three years on the Trot in Lincolnshire, and I, Brad Brad actually said, "I don't think we should go for it again. They're going to be actively against us." The fourth year we didn't win it. Um, a campaign that shouldn't have won it. Won it, I think personally. Um, so I think you can flog a dead horse too long. Do you know what I mean? I, I think you can. Do so many awards, that people, the award people get bored of you doing the awards. Yeah. So it's very, I'd say very, very, be very, very careful that you don't just do awards for award's sake, that you do it for an actual reason. So, you know, when you're starting out, you yeah, hit the local awards massively. When you're in the middle category, go for the national awards push push the boundaries so then maybe maybe now we're going to start going for the more national awards rather than the local awards because the local people know we're the know we're the best we've won it for three years in the trial if we come for four five six that's just taking a piss yeah. so you know you've got to let other people have a chance as well so we're now looking at the national awards to take to the next level but awards very much were who are these new guys you know i remember when we were in our first expo um in lincolnshire it was me and brad stood on a stand you know, and it was just two of us. I remember seeing the picture the other day. It was just two of us stood on the stand and everyone's walking past us. Yeah. Now if we do a, a stand in Lincolnshire, people stop and talk to us. Right, oh, okay. People are you, looking for you. Correct. We, we built the presence so well in this area that even the other agencies know we're the best. You know, I, think that's, I think that's one of the – if you're building an agency, your aim should be should – be, the core of it should be that other agencies even know you're the best.
0: Yeah.
1: If someone working at another agency is going to sit in their agency and know that we're better than them. That is the core of every agency. You have to be so good that even the competitors think you're better.
0: You want their staff looking at you for best practice. We had a
1: girl and I won't say the name that came for a job interview here and uh, I offered her the job and she genuinely said, I don't think I'm good enough to work for you. Wow. Because she said about all the videos I see online all of a sudden
0: and I said, no, 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 we're choosing you. You're good enough for us. Yeah. But that's a huge, that's huge. Yeah. And as well, just going back to your awards thing, it's, it's one of them where you've got to pick the right awards as well because um, I listened to another podcast and they. Um, it, Say they're an award winning podcast, but they've set up their own award and give it to themselves love it. So it, love it. because there are so many awards yeah, out there nowadays. It. Um, and you do sometimes look at businesses and go, What is that you've actually won? Like, is it anything relevant to your business? Whereas, like you're saying, if you're a local business, get a local award that it's, shows you the best. It's very easy to win awards, yeah. It's very, it's, it's ve- award winning
1: almost means nothing now. Um, yeah, it's very easy to win awards. The ones you've got to look for the notable ones, like I was up for. I think it was the Great British Entrepreneur Awards, which is the one by NatWest. Right, yeah. I was I was a finalist for that one. That's a big award. Yeah, you know. But equally, I said to the PR boys, I'm up for some awards that are like, you know, almost if you show up, you'll win it. Yeah, you know, you've got two ends of the spectrum that you kind of have to get away with.
0: And um, you said there about you were up for a, a pretty big award in terms of entrepreneurship, and we mentioned earlier how you're the face of Distract pretty much you've clearly built a personal brand is that something you're building with this idea of leveraging outside of distract is that the long-term goal with this um,
1: yes but I, I also believe that it's the easiest way to grow a, an agency is have people at the forefront of it you know when when someone comes to an agency they, they pay a service but they're actually paying the team mm-hmm. you know they, they're paying the the faces behind it that's why we hired Sam I, I truly believe the best way of doing it is to just show people you know, what goes on in an agency and one of the biggest ways to get revenue from an agency perspective is doing speaking events. Um, you know, go and stand on a stage in front of a hundred people, uh, activate a rah rah, give some good points away, and you'll get twenty leads. That's you know, just what has, that's the metrics. Ten will flake, you'll get ten meetings. Four will convert, five will convert. You got five new business, business, business from a hundred people in a room. So the, the the stats stack up from the speaking events. Um, so yeah, that's one of the reasons. If you build a bigger personal brand, you get more speaking events, therefore you get more business. Um, but also I want the opportunities to get into other people's businesses. Like I really, really wanna get into the, uh, I think the accountancy space right now is really interesting. I think there's a lot to be done in the accountancy world. Um, I think anything that you can scale a consultancy business at is gonna make good money. Yeah. So anything where people are used to paying for a consultant, if you can scale that as a business, you'll make good money from it. But then, so that's one area I'm looking at. The other area is brand. If you can build a brand, you'll make good money as well. The bit that I'm seeing not working too well is when you build an online retailer that has no brand, because yeah. all you're doing is competing with margins. And the people that are bigger than you will have better margins. Therefore, they can really squish you right out of the whole thing. That's one of the issues with one of our businesses right now: is our margins just get absolutely crushed by the big players. And you stand there and think, what's the point? Yeah. You're making revenue, but you're making nothing on the revenue. Um, so wayburn is the premium artificial grass brand there'll be no one more expensive than on the market we're investing in every single brand touch point to the nth degree it's going to be the best grass it's going to be the best quality the best customer service et cetera, et cetera. so brand and consultancy are the two areas i think that are
0: gonna have the biggest upside
1: but yeah they, so that's your question yes i'm building a personal brand for that reason
0: and um you said well you touched upon it there as well like you've um, been doing some speaking gigs and stuff like that and i spotted that you've been doing quite a lot of university and you've made some quite controversial points. I noticed recently you're doing like that recruitment thing with trying to get people to rip up the CVs pretty much. What are you finding now going back to the universities and doing speaking gigs? As someone who's been through the university system, has been an entrepreneur, employs people, what are the key takeaways for people at that level that they should be thinking about no matter, like, even if it's not business, if they just want to go into a manufacturing job yeah, or whatever?
1: Like the biggest issue that uh, university students have right now is they're all entitled. So they'll go to university, they'll do their three years and they'll come out and expect a job. That genuinely is the issue. Um, they just expect a job. They think, oh, I'm in 50 grand of debt. I've done my university degree. Now I deserve a job. And it's just wrong. Yeah, they're all coming out, marketing, they're all coming out with average qualifications. They're sat next to 10,000 people across the UK, maybe more, they're doing the same course. None of them can run, broadly speaking, anything other than the theory so they're coming out with no actual practical ability, with all the provider that they deserve a job, and they're expecting to work into their dream, walk into their dream job on a stupid salary. It's mind-blowing. Um, if I was a student right now, I'd be literally out there trying to find a weird niche that so I can dominate. You know, I've said at a talk every day, TikTok, just dominate TikTok, learn everything else about TikTok, and then walk into an agency. You'll be given a job tomorrow. Because no one knows that stuff yet. So I would, it's very much an entitlement game. Um, that's the first one. The second one is the CV thing. You're absolutely right. I said last week about CV. I was on a panel and this guy was like, oh, just send a CV. You'll be surprised who says yes. And I was like, bullshit. That's the worst advice I've ever heard. We have thousands of CVs that come through here. And do you know how many I read? Zero. Yeah. I go on there when I need a job, or Brad goes on there when he needs a job, and he'll log in and he'll go, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no and left for 20. Then he'll look at 20. It's, cvs are the worst way to get a job you've got to get in front of the person you want so i said this at a talk and i received two direct mails straight straight after one of them which was a massive box with three helium balloons bottom of the box with a shredded up cv because obviously i hate cvs and then i had a usb saying can i have a coffee yes he can yeah. yes he can he's coming in on
0: friday that's brilliant <laughs> that is great and i think as well um from my experience coming out the other side of university that actually the the title graduate can actually Hamper some people, so like this idea of graduate is basically another word for entry level. And if you have done the work and you have got experience and stuff like that, you actually end up taking a backward step mm. in terms to be a graduate. It's a backward step because you've already got experience. And I think the recruitment world will shift, especially as people are talking more about zero hour contracts and stuff. Like and people have more. more more than one job um, but yeah I definitely agree with what you're saying about being a specialist as well in a in a niche area because it just sets you apart from so many people it's like on my course I think I had like 200 people on a business course that's a one university one nuts. cohort like it's crazy mm. and then also just on the speaking side how how did you get to a point like where people were like come and do this come and speak for us so everyone forget so this is about the point of why we,
1: why Sam films everything People just expect you to walk out one day and have 10,000 people standing there clapping and cheering your name, right? I haven't got that far yet, but that's what everyone expects. They'll see that like Gary V. Ra rah on stage and they're like, oh my God, that's what I need to do. Uh, first speaking event was 13 people. Um, it was, I didn't really know what I was doing. Apparently it was a good talk. And then you get the next one, the next one, the next one. I did a talk maybe two months ago with five people in a room. Five people. Do does anyone understand, when you're doing a talk... And there's five people sat there. How demoralizing. That's harder than doing a thousand. Yeah. Luckily, Sam films it. And this is the thing that everyone needs to understand. And here's another, actually. If you believe, listen to this podcast, you want to do a a speaking event, hire out a theater, put a camera at the back of the room, put three balloons in the audience, and do a talk. Film it and put it online. People now think you're a speaker. Yeah. Because the only reason people don't choose speakers is because they don't think you're a speaker. So the moment you start speaking, you'll get speaking opportunities. Yeah. And that's the half the battle is getting your first one um, because no one chooses someone
0: for the first time. It's quite interesting because we had um, a guy called Paul McGee on the um, podcast who's also known as the sumo guy. And uh, he's an international speaker now. Um, he was out in Australia recently and stuff like that. And his first speaking gig was um, a five-minute slot at a local youth club. And it actually got cut down to 30 seconds. And then he had a application for like some big speaking organization in America that were moving to the UK and um, he needed to have a video of him speaking in front of 50 to 100 people well he didn't have that so he just invited all of his mates around to sit in a, in a in a little room and film himself and he literally sent it to him saying I know this isn't what you wanted but it's the best I could do and he's now speaking all over the world it's exactly what you're saying just become a speaker is to speak that's literally how you do it <laughs> it's, it's, it's mental. Yeah. Um, so yeah Coming on to the questions I ask everyone now at the end. Um, We'll start at the top with who or what has been your biggest inspiration throughout your career? Um, I think it's been my dad, to be honest, because he went
1: from literally, you know, my mum was really ill from my age of about four to seven, uh, and he had to deal with all that, to then literally being like, yeah, you've got two kids, you've got to bring up by yourself now, uh, one that's five, and my brother, he had to bring up from basically zero. So, like... To, to go from there to where he got to through nothing but just hard work is absolutely incredible to look at and it's taught me that you know you've got to work hard you know we have a like a saying in our family chat when everything's going shit just like you know we're a Watson like you get on with it like you put your head down you just you just grind it out and I think that's honestly been one of the biggest things is that you know I truly at this point we will have issues and I just I, I I don't know what will break me because I just feel like we're so mentally i feel so mentally like on game that it's gonna to have to be something quite big to 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 break the flow we're going at. We we're, we're just good at working hard.
0: That's brilliant. And what is the biggest learning from your career? I think I could probably guess. Well, I don't know what you're gonna say. I was gonna say about the failing. Yeah, past. I was gonna say that. Yeah, like
1: just just don't worry about what people think. Yeah, you know, there's the I don't know if I've said this. if You've seen this before, but. When I think I was about 16, maybe slightly younger, and I was just, I felt like I was a bit beaten up, you know, in terms of just, I don't know, just didn't feel great. I was doing my teeth in the mirror. I decided to stop caring what other people thought. And just at that one point, honestly, I, I've, I've said this a few times, like at that one point, I just decided not to care what people thought about me. That was it. And that was it. And then, you know, when you lose, who cares? Because I don't care what people think. Yeah. When you win, great. Do you mean like it doesn't matter anymore? Like once you once you remove the element of people caring about you care what people think, you can actually do amazing stuff because ninety percent of what people do in society is because of what people think about them. You know, why do you wear the clothes you wear? Yeah. Like why did you start a podcast? I don't know. These are all things like you have everything has a reason, and most of it comes down to the underlying meaning of what people think. Why do I wear a black tee, black trousers, and black shoes every single day? It's because it's easy. I don't really care what people think. I'll wear the same outfit every single day because it's just like, it's one less decision. I thought it was for editing purposes. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely, genuinely, the reason I wear black every single day is because I honestly don't want to have a decision in the morning. I don't really care what people think about it. Black all day. I have 10 black, I think I've had 10 black tees, I think it's five black trousers and two pairs of shoes. That's it.
0: Done. And it's as we mentioned earlier, it's about that not being afraid to fail in front of people because if you can get past that, you'll do fine because mm. it's like you said, like if if there's ten businesses that one's gonna succeed, nine are gonna fail. The first one could be the success. But if it's not, you've got to get through nine failures. Mm. And if you care too much about what other people think
1: You'll it, lose at heart number yeah. four. Yeah. And my, my mates took the piss out of me. Honestly, they took the you know, I had financial targets that I wanted to hit at certain ages or, or things I wanted to do at certain ages. One was twenty seven and they jokingly said to me, Oh, how's the talk? I said, I've done it, mate. And oh no, you haven't. I was like, yeah, I have. So like, they have all they're lovely guys. They get wrong, but they're just not from the same mindset. Like you know, everyone has their friends from like when they're twelve that they grow up with each other, and you know, that's another thing actually. I don't know how long we got this podcast, but there's another thing. I had some good mates from the two the age of, well let's say, secondary school to uh, uh secondary school to college, and they did something that wasn't quite didn't sit right at me, and I instantly just sacked it off. I'm not joking. I had I think four or five people. They did one thing that I wasn't really cool with, and I just went, "I'm sorry, boys." and I just got a whole new set of friends straight away. Oh. I, I just didn't sit around for it. Like, just I didn't. Wasn't about that. So I just moved on. And these mates I have got now, they take the piss at me all the time. But I, it's banner.
0: I get on with it. Yeah. Well, I do some talks at schools, and like, you talk to them about where do you want to be and stuff like that. And like, the biggest thing holding all of them back, like without a shadow of a doubt, is what other people think. Like, you've got some people who are really interested in some really fascinating topics, and they do loads for themselves within that area. And I'm like, well, why are you telling people about this? Mm. Like, oh, uh, say this about me. And it, it is hard when you're in that situation if you do think that way. But yeah. But it's getting, getting worse out. for younger
1: Geno because of the Instagram world and TikTok world and all the sort of stuff that's coming through. They're even more scrutinized. You know, there's literal stats of people deleting pictures because they don't get enough likes on
0: Instagram because they're going to be picked on at school for it. It's mental. It's crazy. Um, so just. Slightly on that topic of um, building a brand. How long have you been getting on this podcast for We've now? We've got just under 45 minutes. Okay, fine. Yeah, so just... I just realised the clock's on back, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's one one tip for success and building your personal brand?
1: Uh, success, just do it. Just start. I, mean, I remember um, going to house parties and people be like, oh, I'm doing this new cool project, Pete. i am like, oh, cool, when's it launching? Oh, i just, just building it right now. A year later, you're like, how's project going on? Oh, yeah, still just, just building it, mate. If you don't start, you will, never, you will never start. That's the point, like you'll never finish if you don't start. So there's a lot of people, I call them house party entrepreneurs, the ones that just go to house parties and rah themselves in front of everyone. And a mate of mine, Sean Spooner said on his uh, podcast or video the other day, he said, when you say something, like I'm doing this, people go, oh, well done, man. that sounds really cool. And you get a dopamine hit on it. It's like, you're already getting the hit before you've done it. Yeah. So people like staying in this this place where they're doing things just to get the dope they'll never lose it because they've never done it do you see what I'm saying mm-hmm. so to start What was your other the question again sorry it was with regards to building a personal brand same principle yeah, you yeah. know I spoke I said about a year before I hired Sam that I wanted to hire a full time cameraman yeah. but you know it didn't get, wasn't the right time wasn't the right time James Sinclair walked through with, um, with Mike
0: and I was like well he started the it. next day I rang Sam I said do you want a job yeah and then the last question to round it off on a nice positive note is like what is the best moment in your career to date uh, probably walking into this office. Just last week. Probably. Because
1: you get so much shit. Um, I won't be, no one will understand this in this podcast, but the room we're in now, honestly, our first office was smaller than this room. Yeah. You know, it's probably a third of the size of this room. I had four people in it. You probably had one person there, two people here, one person here. Yeah, with four people in, it, in like this size. So when you're in a meeting room that is three times the size of your first office, yeah, you know when, you, when I, I I didn't see this getting done up until it was done because Brad sorted it all out. When you when I walked in the first time, I was like, "What have we created?" Yeah. My tax guy, tax advisor, came in the other day and he goes, "Wow, Pete," because he knew he knows where we started. Yeah. And and people will see things or listen to things and go, "Oh, he's done he's done all right for himself," or "Oh, he's done it." Everyone starts somewhere. You know, I remember sitting in Cafe Nero like and basically paying for the rent by drinking coffee so I could sit there longer. Remember that where I couldn't tell people. I had to meet, meet people in cafe near because I didn't have an office. Remember it all. And then now, like, you know, it's just mental. Yeah. So that I would say probably last week was probably one of the biggest. But each point you go through a stage, each point has its own win. You know, so you've always got to win at every point. You know, I can tell you actually, probably one of the biggest highlights was probably paying my first salary. Yeah.
0: Do you know
1: what I mean? Because, like, I wasn't paying myself at one point, And I was paying all the staff. Luckily, university was getting me through it, right? But I remember... When I, I remember when we left university we had one more bit of money coming from the university to live on and after that i had to fend myself and i looked at the bank band said we have to work BDR this month and at the end of the month we took my first salary yeah you know that's mad
0: it is taking that time out to look back at them things because mm. i i work in a space that's full of freelancers and like no one ever takes that time out to pat themselves on the yeah. back and look at it like i did my one year of freelancing my celebration was actually at uh, 15 months because I've just kept putting it off yeah. and putting it off and that's the kind of thing is well. actually just take their moments and say look at where we are is really valuable when you're in the world of business I would say mm. but yeah thank you very much for being on the podcast one last thing if people want to find out more about you how can they find you on social media
1: um, P Watto on Instagram uh, PJ Watto on Twitter and what do you want to promote Sam? YouTube Search my name on YouTube, Peter Watson, and there's literally loads of content. Yeah, Brilliant. Thank, thank you, you very much. much. Thanks, guys. Cheers.
0: So that's episode 11 of the My Journey podcast, Done and Dusted. A big thank you to Peter and his team for having me down at Distract. I have to say, I did get a bit of office envy when I was down there. It's a really nice space. If you've enjoyed the interview do go and check out Peter and the team on social media because they're producing some fantastic content, especially for aspiring entrepreneurs. If you have any feedback for me on the My Journey podcast, maybe you've got ideas for future guests, make sure to drop me a message on social media. You can find me at the MG Social on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Also, if you could follow the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to is on and leave a review, that would be absolutely fantastic.